And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. If you're not a subscriber, now is the time to get in the athletic.com slash straight from the source. A dollar a month for six months. A dollar a month for six months. And one big cool story that you will get to read if you subscribe is a Miko Koivu story that will run uh, late Wednesday or Thursday morning. Um, not just sort of a compliment to this podcast, which is a very special one, um, but uh, voices from everybody from Saku Koivu to Yarmo Kekalainen, the Columbus Blue Jackets GM, to Doug Risebrow, uh, the man who drafted Miko Koivu 2001 in the first round. Uh, so it should be a really good, cool story to supplement, compliment uh, this podcast, uh, whose guest is Miko Koivu. Um, sat down with Miko last week, a very relaxed, a very jovial uh, Miko Koivu. I've mentioned um, a couple times lately that it just feels like Miko is really embracing um, this new role, this new after-career role that he's going to have, whatever it's going to be in the Minnesota Wild organization. It's not really defined yet, um, but very, very appreciative of uh, the Wild putting his number nine on the rafters, the first player in Minnesota Wild history to uh, have his number retired by the organization. It'll be put up on the rafters Sunday night. Um, the ceremony begins at 5 o'clock. Game to follow against the National Predators. The gates open at 3.45. Miko Koivu will drop the ceremonial opening face-off with Jared Spurgeon, the Wild Captain, Mikhail Granlund, in a cool little uh, gesture um, by the National Predators. Mikhail, uh, who for a long time was Miko's protege here with the Wild, uh, he'll take the puck uh, drop with um, Jared Spurgeon. So it should be really cool. But the podcast is awesome. Um, hope you enjoy it. He really... Um, so relaxed, um, cracking jokes left and right, 
really cutting open a vein about how hard it was, even not just as an NHLer, but as a kid, as a teenager, being in Saku's uh, shadow and how they weren't close at the very beginning. And now they are uh, very, very close. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, he loves hanging out with Miko's, uh, with Saku's kids and vice versa as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, we talk, I mean, about his favorite arenas, his favorite opponents, the teams that he hated to play against the most. He tells a really touching story about his son, um, at the end of the podcast as well, he talks about his demeanor and his intensity and being maybe too serious at times with not only uh, reporters, which you all know, and linesmen, which you all definitely know, uh, but even his own teammates and how hard he was on guys like Eric Halla and Kevin Fiala and people like that. Um, but he, he did it for a reason, but maybe sometimes he went a little too far and felt poorly on the way home and things like that. So, um, you know, just a really neat podcast because this is just not a demeanor that we ever see Miko in, right? I mean, you know, this is a fiery competitor, somebody that um, that uh, y- that you you saw on the ice, how intense he could be. And, um, you know, here he is uh, sitting down for a 50-minute podcast. So I really, really hope everybody enjoys it. And I hope everybody enjoys the ceremony Sunday against the National Predators. I have a cool podcast coming next week with a couple of former teammates that are coming in uh, for the ceremony. I don't want to give away um, who the, who it is yet. Um, but I have a couple guys lined up right now, but I don't want to give away who it is, mostly because Miko, um, in a large part, the two dozen former teammates of his that are coming in for the ceremony, a lot of it is a surprise to Miko as well. Um, and a couple of people that played instrumental roles in his career behind the scenes as well are coming in for the ceremony. And he's got, I believe, um, dozens of friends and family coming in from Finland as well. So there'll be about 80 guests at the game, and I'm sure that party will be rocking uh, after the game as well. Um, so hopefully everybody enjoys this podcast. Um, as I mentioned, Wild won 5-2 tonight. Um, really quality game by the Wild, something that they needed. This is a team that had lost 8 of 10 coming into the tonight. They had a really hard practice on Monday, um, and it really felt like it really transferred into tonight's game. A couple great signs in tonight's game. And again, a game that really means nothing if the Wild go and lay eggs in Detroit and Columbus coming up here on Thursday and Friday night. But um, a good start tonight because they defended well. They got quality goaltending from Cam Talbot. They didn't take a penalty, which really helped their uh, their really awful penalty kill lately. Uh, that's a good start when you don't take a penalty, and your penalty kill is at about 63% the last uh, 13 games. Um, but they didn't have to pull the goalie because, um, you, know, they, you know, this is a team, again, the last 13 games, they've given up 11 empty net goals. In the last nine occasions, they've pulled the goalie. They've given up 11 empty net goals. And so, um, you know, that was something that was good because they had the 5-2 lead going into the third period. But what was really... Uh, um, you know, uplifting about tonight's game or encouraging about tonight's game is that when um, Mika Zibanejad scored the tying goal shorthanded there in the second period, um, not only didn't the Wild panic, not only did the Wild not let that crumble their game like they've done so often lately when adversity strikes their game, but then on the same exact power play with 13 seconds left in the power play, Kevin Fiala uh, buries Matt Boldy's perfect pass. Matt Boldy put on the number two unit tonight. Ryan Hartman moved up to the number one. And on that power play, it was just a huge, huge moment. And it was the first of two second period goals by Kevin Fiala, who just continues to just be so, so good for this team. I know, look, you know, he makes he makes the turnovers every now and then. Obviously, he fell on the knife for a couple of mistakes he made in Buffalo. But it's never because of a lack of effort with Kevin Fiala. And it's certainly not... Um, you know, to me, like, 
I could say that earlier this season and at times last year, it felt like that Kevin Fiala couldn't outscore the mistakes he would make in games. In other words, he would hurt the team more just by the mistakes he would make rather than the goals or the points that he produced. It's not that way anymore. I mean, he is in a consistent, consistent run here for the last three months um, where he's not only producing, but to me, just working his butt off and being a, a real quality player for this team. He's got 16 goals and 33 points in his last 26 games, just playing, playing really, really well. So um, I liked his game. Marcus Foligno, um admitted after the game that he has not been very happy with his game of late and that he thinks it's probably not a coincidence that the team has struggled in large part because of that. You know, we always look at, Kev, at Marcus Foligno as somebody that's an engine of this team, a guy that is an identity player and, and plays the type of game that the Wild want to be their identity, you know, hard-hitting, aggressive physical um north south and tonight um you know he 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 walked the he walked you know this is a guy that that you know really the last couple of days have been saying a lot of things about how they haven't quit and and um you and you know their work ethic needed to be good and just so many things and you know if you're gonna talk that talk you got to walk the walk and he definitely did that tonight with a goal and two assists his sixth career third uh, three-point game. Yul Eriksson X scored a really uh, cool goal, a great bunting, you know, redirection that, you know, and if it was probably waived a no goal, it would have been a no goal, but it, since it was waived good goal, it couldn't be overturned anyway because of a potential high stick. I don't think it was above the uh, the the uh, crossbar, but it was close, and uh, Marcus Foligno joked after the game that he was aiming for uh, – <laughs> Erickson X teeth, and he blocked it into the goal. So he scored his 17th goal, and then Ryan Hartman uh, heating up again, four goals in his last four games, and, uh, you know, 23 on the season. A couple other things. Um, um, the other day in, in my game story, I talked about uh, potentially trading for Shea Weber and getting a benefit of that $7.857 million cap hit for the next four years, and maybe that would help the Wild if they put him on LTIR. It's a lot more complicated than that. Um, it just will not work. I had a um, really quality uh, conference call with a couple people today that really walked me through it, um, and while it can be done and you can go over the cap in the offseason, um, this is a team that does not want to go over the uh, cap via you know, you don't want to be an LTI essentially. And either way, um, getting Shea Weber would just not alleviate any of the pressure for the wild. So, um, you know, I, I probably uh, wrote that a little too quickly. Um, and, uh, and if you want a little more of an explanation in, in, uh, his 32 thoughts that was published about a half hour ago, uh, Elliot Th uh, Friedman, who also talked about this, uh, the last couple weeks or last couple podcasts, um, you know, he, uh, he, uh, mentions why it was, wouldn't work. So he has a really good explanation in there. So I, I uh, highly recommend you reading that. Um, the other thing that um, that I wrote today that hopefully everybody reads is we'll have a trade tracker on the Athletic website and the Athletic um, app for the next little bit. Anytime the Wild make moves, um, or, or not even moves, but just anytime there's any new information regarding the trade deadline. The latest is on Jack McBain, the Boston College senior. Um, 18 goals going into uh, Wednesday's single elimination Hockey East uh, opening round game against uh, the University of New Hampshire. If they win, they'll play Saturday night. If they lose, McBain's uh, college career is over. Broke out this year after, you know, pretty pedestrian freshman, sophomore, and junior years um, at Boston College. Well, the Wild had always figured that they were going to sign him after the year. In fact, if you remember a couple months ago, Bill Guerin actually visited Boston College specifically to scout McBain. Well, um, as it turns out, the Wild have been informed the way that I understand it is that he is not going to sign with Minnesota and that you might want to trade his rights. So the Wild have given his advisor the permission to 
talked to a bunch of different teams have told him, do not come to me with one team, come to me with a number. And I believe, you know, being a third round pick in 2018, I've got to think the Wild are going to be looking for a second round pick. Or if it's a team that the Wild would actually be interested in a rental, using McBain as one of those players and the pieces in the, in the deal. But I think it's going to be somebody that he's going to be looking for a second. A lot of teams are interested in a 6'4 uh, center that can skate. Um, and so it's a shame that he's not going to sign here. My gut says that Jack looks at this um, organization suddenly is having a Ryan Hartman, who is a right wing, suddenly become their top line center. Yul Eriksson Ek, who is probably the player that um, Jack McBain hopes that he can become, and that role is filled here for the next eight years. And then uh, Freddie Goudreau is the third line center. So while the Wild, wild we're going to sign him and put him right into the lineup or or give him the opportunity to play right away, it looks like that he is not going to sign and they, they are likely going to trade his rights. If, if Bill Guerin doesn't get what he wants, though, it wouldn't be shocking to me if he makes him wait until August 15 and then he can sign as an, a free agent somewhere and you've got to burn, you got to play, uh, sign a two-year deal and not burn that first year. Um, the team that makes sense to me is Winnipeg. Uh, his dad played for the old Winnipeg Jets. Um, it's a team that's going to lose Cop, probably Stasny. Um, you know, uh, roles will be open there for Jack McBain. So uh, it's a shame they're not signing him. Um, they're not going to be able to sign him, but that's just the way it is. Um, Thursday, I wanted to just give everybody a heads up. So we do these live rooms now on the Athletic website and the Athletic app. And basically what they are are live radio shows. And I'll go as long as you want, as long as I can, as long as I, uh, you know, get my work done before the day. Obviously, we have an 1130 uh, morning skate on Thursday. Uh, the live room will start at 130. Central Time, 2.30 Eastern, uh, promptly. Um, I will put out a uh, link for it, or you'll see the push notification on your app, or you just literally go into your app at 1.30, and you're going to see my uh, cheery, beautiful face there. You click Join the Room, and the way it works is that if you're not an athletic subscriber, you can listen in. Fine. No big deal. Um, if you are an athletic subscriber, you will be able to click a button, I guess. So I'm going to get a little tutorial in the next couple of days. You'll be able to click a button, sort of raise your hand. I'll call on you and you get to ask a question. It's going to literally be like a live Q&A podcast, a live recorded uh, live audio mailbag, um, a radio show. Um, I, Kevin Kurz and a lot of people at The Athletic are Islanders writer, uh, but a lot of people at The Athletic have told me how much they absolutely love doing this. And what's really cool is that um, is that I essentially have the keys, so I'll decide how long it goes. And the other thing is, is that once I get my, tutu my tutorial on this, um, I, I, out of boredom, could just start one. I mean, you're, you might see out of the blue, I just start a live room one day. And um, I think that's going to be the really cool thing. You know, it's another way to get closer to uh, the readers or subscribers, the fans of the wild. So um, now after I do this first one, if I like it, uh, don't be surprised if all of a sudden, just every now and then, you just all get a push notification that, hey, Russo. So starting a live room, come join it. And uh, I'll be hopefully doing this more and more. Um, and they're probably a little less stressful, a little less uh, exhausting than uh, my meaty mailbags that I haven't done a lot of this year um, that I probably should do uh, coming up here. So again, uh, Miko Koivu, a really fun podcast. Hopefully everybody enjoys it. Um, sorry about the Shea Weber uh, getting your hopes up there, but it's just not going to happen. That's, uh, that is definitely uh, my fault. Um, I'm trying to think anything else that I'm forgetting here. Mm. At Detroit Thursday, at Columbus Friday, Sunday, Miko Koivu night. Uh, again, 5 o'clock ceremony, 345, the gates open. Speaking of Miko, here's Miko now after a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, really happy to be joined by uh, Miko Koivu. Uh, it's been an honor for uh, me to finally have you join this podcast, Miko. It's been a, uh, a been a long, long time that I've been trying to get you, and here all it took was a number retirement for you to uh, to come on here. Well, thanks for having me, and I, I I did try to avoid it as long as I could, but now I felt that. Uh, I can't hide it anymore. So no, yeah. it's uh, it's good to be here. Thanks. Yeah. How, how I mean, this has got to be just an incredible uh, week for you here. You got a bunch of family coming in for this, bunch of friends coming in for this, bunch of former teammates coming in for this. Um, it's just got to be a humbling, humbling experience, and I can't even imagine what your emotions are going to be like on the actual day. It is. It's uh, yeah, very humbled. Uh, I think the way I could describe it is like you can't really. Well, you never, you know, you don't even really dream about it or, and you, it's, it's hard to realize what's happening, mm-hmm. uh, what to expect. Uh, you've been in one, a couple of these on the road when, uh, when jerseys had been, uh, retired when, when we were a visiting team and you get emotional on those, those yeah. days. And, uh, so I think, but I, I think for me, it's just trying to prepare uh, the best I can, and uh, and really, really trying to sing everything in, enjoy the moment, mm-hmm. enjoy the friends and family. Uh, like you mentioned, the former teammates. I'm not even sure who's all. I think that's part of the surprise. Yeah. Uh, but that's that. To be honest, like that's kind of the uh, that's the journey that you've been on uh, for so long, and these are all the people that have supported me one way or the other. Uh, you know, either it's on the ice or off the ice or, or obviously family. And, and so that's to me, the best part. And obviously with the fans as well, Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to, uh, to be in front of them one more time, uh, on a night like this. So, uh, something that I can't really even describe, uh, what the, the feelings are like. And, uh, like I said, I think the, the, the thing is that you don't really know what to expect, even if you kind of know, like, the uh, what it's all about. I mean, it, it really is unbelievable. You've seen it all in this organization. I mean, you were drafted year two of this organization 21 years ago. It's crazy. You you have almost every single record in wild history. Games played, assists, points, shots, shootout goals. I mean, it, face-offs, everything. Time on ice for forwards. It's, it, it's crazy how much you've seen every owner, every GM, every coach. Um, in a lot of ways, this really does feel fitting. You, you really... You were such a, t- a great teammate. You absolutely, uh, you know, bled green and red. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing the way that you really represented the Minnesota Wild over the years, Mika. Uh, yeah, I think uh, for me, 
I think you, and I, I mentioned this before, uh, I think I really take and always took pride for representing first my club team back in uh, Turku, Finland, uh, then national team, Team Finland, mm -hmm. and then the Wild. And I think it just always meant to me that I want to be loyal to the team. I want to go through the ups and downs. Uh, and I've always been happy here. It's just uh, uh, the way my teammates, uh, the, the staff, the management, the fans, just the, in general, people in Minnesota, it's just if they, they just treated me well mm -hmm. ever, ever since I got here. So uh, I, I never thought about it and then also the team was always getting better uh we had that uh ups and downs obviously and and then we had a good team when i first started i got into the playoffs then we got a little bit off from it for a couple of years but it was always improving we, we had those young guys coming up taking more and more ice time taking more and more role and uh so i think it, that was always a goal for next year mm -hmm. and we were always getting better and uh, that to me as a player it was uh, it was something obviously that kept kept me motivated and uh but just like i said the fans and and the, the culture mm -hmm. the, everything in here in minnesota being as a hockey player i don't it just felt right yeah i remember uh, i wasn't in the bubble in edmonton but um at the end of the game when you guys lost um they really showed a lot of a lot of you on on fox sports north here in minnesota and I think you were almost last to leave the ice. You were really watching it. You were really taking it in. I mean, what was going through your head at that moment? I mean, did you pretty much know that was probably your last game in this uniform? I had a feeling. Uh, I think it was really hard uh, after the game in the locker room. I remember that moment. Uh, but I think at the same time, like, you don't want to accept that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think... Uh, I think looking back now, I think it was, it was time for me. Uh, it was, I don't know. It was, and then those are the decisions. Like the management, they have to make it. Mm -hmm. uh, did it feel good at the point? No. Uh, when once I heard about it, then a couple of weeks after the season and and things like that. So, uh, but I think, uh, you know, once the emotions kind of settle a little bit, and then you look back, what has what you went through here and then mm -hmm. you were fortunate enough to play in for so many years yeah. and, and so I think uh, it was hard uh, it really was uh, but I think I learned a lot from it uh, and uh, yeah it's just uh, it, it's it, like like we always say it's a business and uh, and uh, you got to put the emotions aside of it and uh, that's just and that's 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 life being as a hockey player yeah or in the, the hockey world I yeah say. yeah i mean it really and unfortunately all careers come to end in in one city and you basically played your entire career here yeah. um you, you really just looking you at you when you ever i see you around here you know i'm sure at first this season it was awkward you know being around the guys but now you really feel it looks to me like you're really embracing this new new whatever your role is going to be um but embracing this new chapter in your life you're, you're jovial when i see you around here you sit next to billy garen you know like it's it, it really feels like you're also extremely appreciative of just you know what this organization has done for you what you gave it and now what this next chapter is going to be whatever it is in this organization yeah it i can't uh, it's, it's hard to describe what it means to me uh how much it means to me and uh, it's just I think it's like I said. It's it's three teams for me. It's it's TPS. Uh, my mm -hmm. 
obviously Team Finland and then the, then the Wild. And uh, I think once you're so long with the with the same team and how much it matters to me, and like I said, I know how much it matters for the people in Minnesota. I'm just very proud mm-hmm. of it uh, to be a member of this this organization <coughs> and, and this team. And uh, I think everyone who, who puts that sweater on should be mm-hmm. and should know the traditions in, in Minnesota, uh, how much it means to people. And it reminds me of hockey in Finland, what Team Finland means to people there and things like that. So uh, that always, that was a, the thing that, that was driven to me. And, and I really wanted to... Uh, uh, make the people proud of the wild and also us players realize like how much this actually means to people here uh, in the state of hockey. Yeah. Um, got a lot of really cool questions from readers. Uh, some One from your uh, favorite former goalie. Yeah, uh, I won't answer that one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to get that, that in a second. Um, one hilarious question that I got uh, was from, from a reader that said, was there ever a face-off that you actually deserved to get kick out, kicked out of the circle for? <laughs> oh. <laughs> was there ever a face-off that you deserved to get kicked out? Like, I mean, that was always like the one thing. Yeah, I got to give some for the lineys too. They, uh, <laughs> they were pretty good. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, now that I've... Uh, being away from it, uh, the game a little bit, then uh, now that I come and see uh, the games, and sometimes you you meet the referees or the linesmen, mm-hmm. and uh, now we joke about it. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what? Even that, uh, I know I wasn't the easiest. Uh, you know, you're competitive, and, and and I think that's referees like they're gonna face that and all mm-hmm. that. But I did it for believing that there was mind games in it, and it would help our team to get like we're not gonna get you know yeah bad decisions by the rest just because we're like we're 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 okay with it or whatever so uh there was a lot of nights that i would be like maybe i should (laughs) step on a little bit then and and all that but uh i think we're all good now and it's part of the game yeah what is what makes a good face-off guy because that is one area where the wild are trying to improve it's been a it's been a struggle especially of late um like what what makes a good face-off guy and and can you like, is it a natural thing or can you actually improve your craft there? I think you can improve. I think it tells, <clears throat> uh, if you look at the rookies, rookie centers that come into the league, usually your numbers get better if, if you want to work at it. Yeah. And uh, it happened to me. Uh, I think it's a, it's a big jump from, uh, from you know, the minor league or, or mm-hmm. from the European league. Uh, when you come to NHL, I think it's more detailed in the NHL and, and, so yes, you can get a lot better. Uh, what makes it good? There's so many different styles, and I think it's it's there's so many things that go into the face off uh, that I think you learn uh, by watching, watching video, learning from your teammates, uh, things like that. So uh, there's like I said, there's so many good face off guys, mm-hmm. and they all have their own unique style. Yeah. And I think you just have to kind of figure that out. You were known for that huge knob on your of tape on the end of your stick. What was was that t- for grip, or what was the big reason for that? Yeah, that was for grip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never hold from my knob when I was taking a face right. off. So that had nothing to do with the face off. Okay, so it, it was, was more just, uh, that I felt comfortable with and mm-hmm. uh, tried to get rid of that every summer, but couldn't. So <laughs> okay. I always went a, back to it. Oh yeah, and then you had to retape it every single game uh-huh. day and so it became a routine but it wasn't always yeah. fun um 
a lot of questions. Ryan was the big one asked, uh, why did you blow or kiss on your, your glove before a face-off? Oh, that was to spit. Just uh, to get a better grip on, okay. the, uh, on the stick. And, and a lot of times I would have dry gloves, so you mm -hmm. want to make sure that you have the grip okay, yeah. going into the face-off. And uh, part of probably is just you know a habit that you don't even realize you're doing yeah. it and gives you comfort. Yeah. Uh, gives you confidence going in. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, for the most part, it's just uh, get a better grip on the on the stick. How um, will it be cool that Granny is going to be here for your big night? Uh, yeah, it. Uh, like I said, um, having a chance to have your friends and family and, and mm -hmm. former teammates here, uh, but then. Um, he didn't even know about it. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are going to be here. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> so typical granny. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I – obviously, we have a close relationship, and, and he's one of the guys that I have a lot of respect for, yeah. uh, for his work ethic, and, uh, and obviously the player he is, but, but more off the ice. And uh, so it'll be cool to, uh, to have him in it, and uh, <clears throat> that those are the things that matters to me uh, and makes the night – uh, very very special here's a question from one of your uh, former goalies your favorite one um why does saku beat you in tennis and golf and do you still fight after that so there you go he's always wrong <laughs> it's not tennis and golf it was this uh, is from nicholas baxter oh if yeah you don't realize. i figured uh surprisingly he can talk now huh <laughs> He saved it all he's, these years. Like, yeah, he's been, you know, he's got this great cushy gig for Columbus. Uh, I know. I think he scouted you. That's why he signed there. Yeah. Um, just no, spent a week was, in Florida. Uh, it was a basketball game. Uh, this is back in uh, when we were still both playing and, and we would have a, a friendly uh, basketball game on a Sunday afternoon before the week starts with the, with our buddies. And we were, it was a three on three game and, and we were facing like he was in the other team, I was in the other team, and uh, it got heated yeah. and uh, uh, ended up with the fight. Not a big fight, but uh, anyways, and then we, uh, two grown-up men, we went for a week without talking to each other. and uh, So, yeah, it's. I think that's what he's talking about. But, yeah, uh, yeah I'm not we're, – we're not playing basketball yeah. or anything el any anymore, uh, trying to stay away from it. And golf, he's so bad at it, so yeah. you can't really – Make a game out of it. I remember when I talked to Saku for your thousand game story, he was really, really good on uh, for, for the, those stories. And the one anecdote he said is how, you know, he's seven years older than you. And when you um, first came nine, to actually yeah. nine. Yeah. Yeah. And when you first got drafted, I mean, he, your father, you even none of you guys wanted Montreal to take you because you wanted to carve out your own futures. Um, and I remember even. Like your first time that you played Montreal, you really were hesitant to even talk about going up against him. Which, by the way, you won the first face off that game, and I think stole the puck from him for the overtime winner by yeah. Foster. I think they scored on us though the first shift. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> didn't start the way I wanted. Yeah, but it was it did end well for you. Um, but but slowly, the one thing I always noticed is that I would do. Mo I, I probably did three or four brother brother stories throughout your career, and. As, you're, as you got older and more established as a player and as a man, you were very willing to talk about it. And I think that probably shows your – was your maturation as a player. You suddenly were a confident hockey player. And is that how it, it wound up being? Because he brought that up, that, you know, at the end of your careers, you guys were, you know, perfectly fine chatting about each other because it wasn't anymore he was in, that you were in his shadow. Yeah, I think so. Uh it uh, and by the way, it had nothing to do with with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, 
that I didn't want to get drafted. Right, or right. It was, you it know, was, it was just the pressure. Right. Uh, and I had to deal with that. And I don't want to sound dramatic by any means, but it wasn't always easy because when uh, when he was with, uh, especially with Team Finland, and so he was a big star when I was growing up, yeah. and uh, and I would hear a lot about that. Uh, just because my last name was Koivu and, and, and trying to prove my myself as a hockey player. And uh, you, I didn't always probably uh, handle it the right way. Uh, and, and But I think you learn from it. And, but it, it really did feel, I remember still when I went to Houston for my first year and I could just, I felt like free. It was just, I could just be me. I could just... You know, didn't have any questions about my, you know, brother or family or you had to earn everything. Not that I didn't, but there was a lot of people that doubted that I didn't earn myself mm-hmm. back when I was in juniors or back when I turned pro in Finland. And, and we know that it's uh, and, and we talked about it with our family and, and, and we were always kind of open about it for the most part. But uh and th- those are just the things that you can't really control. And it's sad that it, it goes that way. You know, that people are trying to, uh, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but just like, just, you know, compare the, yeah. Yeah. I think it's natural, but, uh, but it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't always fun, but the Houston area it was really, I still remember it was just awesome. Like just, you know, be almost like free and, mm-hmm. and everything was new and, Great group of guys, great coaching. You had a great season, right? Didn't you guys go to the? Did you win it all that year, or am I? No, wrong? that was okay. the year before. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that they won. So uh, we had a great team, a lot of injuries though, and and things like that. But just the learning, and and it mm-hmm. was great. Yeah, Todd McClellan really was the coach on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then coincidentally, so years years later, he's in Anaheim. He's got to decide whether or not to resign there, I believe, or come to Minnesota. That was one of that the was big... after Montreal. Oh, okay, that was after Montreal. Yeah, and same thing. I I think he told me that he did. He really genuinely just was weighing whether or not to sign with the wild but then it was sort of the same thing he didn't want to put pressure on himself to be in your shadows and also didn't want to put pressure on you if he came here and was getting older and suddenly he was under scrutiny that he didn't want you to have to experience that yeah uh and to be honest we didn't talk about it a lot Mm -hmm. at the point i didn't want to i obviously he's gonna make his own decisions and, and and things like that but i i think i knew what he's going through, mm-hmm. why is he leaning up, you know, either Anaheim or, or what other teams were on the table. But, uh, and I think it matters because we're both centers. Yeah. You know, let's say if he was a defenseman or I was a defenseman, he was a center, you know, it would be totally different. But you're kind of basically playing for the same ice time and and you're on the same role on the team. And who's going to take the big draw at the yeah, end of the Yeah, like things like that, yeah. you know. So I think that's kind of what, why it made it hard. And then we also, we had a chance to play in the national team. So we got to experience that playing together as a, you right. know, teammates and things like that. So uh, I thought it was good. And, and you can't really explain that before, you know, both mm-hmm. brothers play in the NHL or, or especially, like I said, being on the same spot uh, on the team, like centers, wingers, whatever it might be. I think it's important that uh, everyone goes through on their own and, and uh, can 
kind of feel comfortable about that and make the name for themselves. Yeah. What do you think uh, his reaction, your parents will be? I always look at your father as this guy, <laughs> very stoic. Uh, you know, I, every time I've even said hello to him, I'm like, I hope he doesn't, uh, you know, hate me. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's actually the opposite. Yeah. I hear that a lot of myself. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're. What do you think their reaction is going to be on, on uh, Sunday? I don't know. It's, uh, I'm sure, emotional. Yeah. Uh, I think we all will be. I think that's natural. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think this is kind of the, well, my brother was here as well as my parents, but he was here for the thousand game. And I think that was the first thing or first time that he actually witnessed something, you know, being here as my brother usually yeah. it's been the other way around that yeah. I always go see him and, and things like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a big deal for, for all, our whole yeah. family. And, uh, I'm sure parents are feeling proud about, you know, yeah. their kid and, and our kids. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be, uh, very emotional and, uh, but obviously a very special night for all of us. Definitely. Um, another question from Nicholas Basham, and then I promise I'll get to Twitter questions. Uh, Essa, why have you at no level ever scored on him one time? What was that again? Uh, Nick wants to know why has you, why have you not been able to score on him at any level? Well, because he was my teammate for the longest <laughs> in the NHL. And I was too young when <laughs> I was, uh, back in finland so uh for practice i would own him and obviously he knows that so actually i didn't know about that fact but yeah. uh he he keeps track of it i think he knows everybody uh that's the one that like people i don't think wild fans realize how hilarious of a guy nicholas backstrom was like, i don't think he's hilarious I, 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 honestly <laughs> i'm just kidding you know one of my favorite memories honestly was i used to i used to lean against the wall and just listen to him and Derek Bugard just go back and forth to each other. It was like a comedy routine. Of, it was like a, like a Comedy Central roast. They would yeah. just roast each other. I think it's uh, – I think a lot of times and like, you know, when when you're around the, the hockey team or any athlete probably, we all prepare differently. Mm -hmm. and, and Nick was very – very detailed on his routines and then very strict about like, you know, all like day before the game and, and the game day, obviously, and things like that. So I think that's just being like I've, I've said before, uh, he's one of the uh, most respected pros that I know in this game, yeah. uh, the way he prepared. Uh, the way he took care of his body and, and was getting ready for each and every night and things like that. So, uh, but it doesn't mean that you're not funny. If you're serious <laughs> about your job and then you want to do the best you yeah. can. And, and so that was his way of doing things. I had my way. I was serious too, I've been told. And yep. sometimes probably too serious, but uh, that's just, you know, that's just, you feel comfortable with and you know you can be at your best doing the things sure to win and, yeah. and there's some guys that joke around and that makes them better yeah you know what i mean so uh it's we're all different once yeah. you take your skates off and you're off the ice no doubt <clears throat> nick uh still the winningest goalie in wild history but it is true about like you like you were super serious 
super intense, but yet in the locker room, like nobody actually could make me laugh louder than you. I mean, because when you, when you hit you and it was usually a piercing joke too. I mean, you were very sarcastic, um, yeah. but that was, that was your way. Do you, do you think Lo, like do, when you look back at your career, do you, do you think at times that you enjoyed it as much as you could have? Like, was there like, when you look back now, I mean, do you think that times maybe you were too serious, too intense? Uh, yeah, I've thought about that. I think, uh, and I'm sure everyone does, mm -hmm. you know, you think about back your career and, and, but you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, I had a talk with, uh, with Jacques Lemaire, uh, a couple of days ago and, uh, and I, I actually said that, that maybe sometimes I was a little too stubborn or, mm -hmm. you know, even with him, like it was, he was always right. And, but he said it like, well, that's what made, made you a player that you were. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, I think there's always times if you look back, like you could have, you know, act different or, or I, I think you also learn from it and things like that. But I, I felt that's the way I can be at my best. And, and, uh, so would I change it? I know. Yeah. I don't think it would make a difference. I think it, it worked for me and, uh, and then I guess the best way to describe it is like that. That was my way of preparing for, for each and every game uh, to be at my best. Yeah. You know, what I've never asked you, especially because it was during your playing days, was, was the whole when, when the Wild signed Parisi and, and Suter. I mean, you know, was that dynamic hard in terms of at first, like, you know, the, everybody because they were local? you know, media fans sort of gravitating to them, always getting to them after games. I mean, was it ever a difficult thing for you? Uh, no. And, and why I say that is, because I kind of knew I played for my, not that it's at the same level by any means, but when I played for my hometown team in, in, in Finland, in TPS, it would be the same thing there. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, if you had a, uh, you know, a Canadian or, or, or U.S. born player or even Swedish player coming in, they would never be the same than the local kid. Right. And so I knew that coming in and that didn't bother me. Actually, I think it helped me to, uh, to just do my thing and then prepare my way. And it took kind of, uh, you know, a little bit things away from my plate as well right and uh so yeah it, you don't it, have to be the voice every single game exactly and, yeah. and, and especially with the media yeah. and and i think it's good to uh to have that you know with the team that you have yeah and i think it always uh you know brings the team more in the to the map to like more better players you have and and gives confidence to everyone and and things like that so uh but yeah that never bothered me um, every player hates to lose, but you really hated to lose. <laughs> you hated to lose. I mean, I, I, I still like, I've covered this league a long time. Like if I was going to ask you a question after a loss, I was, I used to think about my words, you know, I walk on eggshells. I mean, um, you know, where does that come from? Like you, you would be, you'd like, you know, players have a five minute cool down period. You probably yeah. needed a 30. Yeah. That's something that I tried to work at it, you know, uh, -huh. uh Throughout my career, I think I got a little bit better uh, once I got a little bit older too. And and uh, but I I think it was just I, I think it goes the same thing how I just wanted to take pride to be a Minnesota yeah. Wild. Yeah. And I didn't want to accept us losing and 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 but then 
I think you also learn once you're in the NHL, like 82 games and, and things like that, like you got to let it go. And But but I just wanted never to accept that. And yeah. that was my way of just dealing with with it. And uh, and I, I think with media, I think it was something like if, like you still got to respect us. Mm-hmm. That's how I cut kind of how I felt and uh and I didn't want to lie about it like if you know if we lost and then things like that so like why do we lose or like we don't know it's two minutes after the game like yeah you know like you I I don't have an answer for you so I think that's sometimes you get frustrated as a player and and uh but I even at that I I still always try to obviously do it with respect for, Mm -hmm. for the reporters and and well like we had it sometimes you know it's yeah we had 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 moments and then you meet up the next day or the next week and you apologize and life goes on so well i uh, I mean remember when we lived in the same neighborhood a couple times we'd meet at uh uh and have a little blueberry muffin and a coffee sort of iron out our (laughs) little spat from the day before which was always kind of fun um you know what i realized when we went to finland in 2010 is uh, you know one how i mean it was really cool for me to see how much how beloved you were uh by the fans there i mean they just love that you were there but the one thing that like i realized too is that like in Finland, when you're doing pro, when you're like the the media is really not in the room, right? It's all sort of mixed yeah. zones yeah, and never. things like that. And that was probably that probably also was like a change for you. You come to Minnesota and you're like, why the hell are these media members in the locker? It room? is, yeah. yeah. And also, you know what the biggest difference here is? Uh, uh, it's the language. Yeah, like and which we never. And you have to be so careful what you say, especially with the social media these days and. And so you don't want to say things that, you know, people think or, or take it in the wrong way. Right. And I think that's something that I always wanted to be very careful with that because it is like there's so many things that you would like to say, and, yeah. but you're not sure. Should I say that? Should I not say that? And so I think that's also the thing, like, uh, especially after a loss or, or, you know, you're just still in the game mode and, and things yeah. like that. So it's... Uh, I think that's something that uh, I'm sure every European player goes through. And, and uh, I think obviously you learn over the years, but uh, but it's, it's still not the same than, than giving an interview and in, in finish. Right. A uh, lot of questions about if, uh, like, if you've ever wanted to punch me out or like, what's the most annoying question I've ever asked you? <laughs> <laughs> Does no one like your podcast here or what? what's going on? <laughs> I, I think they just know that you know angry miko at times uh you know you could i could set you off there's no doubt about it um but you always you always stood there I mean, that was the one thing about it you know and i've told you a million times i mean you know like your first day in that wild locker room for actual training camp was my first day covering this team yeah, yep, yeah september funny. of 05 and i remember you're you, getting you, old yeah you know, trust me <laughs> i'm well aware um, and I walk in the locker room. The fir- you're the first person I see, young Miko Koivu, just straight ahead from the from the door in the locker room. And I think you might have been the first person I came up to. Um, you know, and and like you think about how long ago that was. It's pretty. It's pretty nuts. I mean, you legitimately grew up in Minnesota. Yeah, I think it's something that uh, a lot of the players talk how fast it goes, mm-hmm. and and I've said it like. Yeah, I I do realize and and this and that, but now that you look back, like it just mm-hmm. it went like you can't believe, like you said, twenty one years ago, and I still remember the draft like yesterday, and uh, it's just yeah, it's amazing. But uh, but I did Florida, enjoy right? It. it was in Florida. Yeah, 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 I was, and uh, but I, I I do remember 
uh, a lot of the times that when I really enjoyed, you know, playing and prepare and I would stop and think like, just get it in. Like, mm -hmm. like this is awesome. Like yeah, I was always them, so uh, proud and like happy to to get out there at the XL Energy Center, mm -hmm. even practices or or pregame skates or it was just I think it becomes like a lifestyle, obviously. But just you know being around the people we can, and, uh, I think that's one thing too. You realize like how many great people there are around this game. I think it's it's just yeah. Very, very special. Yeah. Um, some more, just some more questions, Miko. You've been very generous with your time here. A big week too. Um, here's a really good, two good questions on the same subject. One from Mariah: What is the hardest part of being the captain of a team? And two from Craig: What's the biggest joy of being the captain of the team? I think the hardest is when when you're not winning. I think uh, <clears throat> I think the responsibility, at least for me, was uh, you want to help so much. And, and sometimes, you know, things are not just going our way. That's just pro sports and, and things like that. Uh, that is the hardest. But also, those are the moments when individuals, mm -hmm. players, or as a team, you can just get better. And, mm -hmm. and you learn so much, not just for the game, but just for life and, and all that. And uh, the best, to be honest, I think for me was, like you mentioned, Granny. Mm -hmm. uh is that when you see a guy like cranny or i think my days like the best example is eric Halla. uh i was pretty hard on him and but i thought or i believe that he needs that mm -hmm. and when you see him becoming what he is and when he tells me like now i know why you did yeah. the way you did it that 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 feeling like that's tough to beat yeah i remember um uh some of your some of your coaches said that like guy like fiala was somebody that you were hard on and that seemed to be what was like you had no problem being the fate being that guy that would challenge a player challenge a teammate well i think you have to mm -hmm. you know in a way and everyone everyone does it differently i think uh i think that's part of being a captain and uh it's part of being a veteran guy mm -hmm. uh but i think what I always and obviously you, you would go home after the skate and and you were like well maybe did I go too too much did it go over top I but I always believe that if I have a good meaning behind it yep. I can be okay with it yeah and then rest of it is up to yep. them like do they do they get it or do they do they not yeah and like I said when you know talk to for example Granny or Hala. And when they say like, now I know what you meant, yeah. you know, after a year, then that, that's a great feeling. Yeah, no doubt about it. But okay. also credit to them. You yeah. Know? Like it's, they want to be better and they want to get there. And, and I'm sure it wasn't always easy for any of us. A lot of people asked about your bread and butter signature shootout move, where that all started. Why do you think it works so much? You have the most over most shootout goals in wild history. Yeah, that started in... Uh, <clears throat> in houston the lockout year mm -hmm. uh, that was the first year actually shootout came into the to the game i think mm -hmm. you know after regulation loss or a tight and uh i don't know it just came uh by accident or or whatever you want to call that it worked and uh then i just you know started to work on it a little bit and, and did a little tweaks every now and then and 
uh, just felt comfortable. And I think going into the shootout, you just have to feel the confidence going in. Like you got to know what you're going to do uh, because it happens so fast. So, and after that, it was just, to me, it was speed and timing and mm -hmm. obviously to get the puck uh, up fast and, and uh, hoping that it's not going to roll. I have no doubt that uh, Jared Spurgeon is a very different captain than you. Um, Adam asks, uh, when did you start noticing Spurgeon's leadership qualities? And um, what do you think is one thing that wild, that wild fans actually don't know about Spurge? In terms of like, you know, the, what he is like in that locker room and things <coughs> like that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think you notice that pretty quick, actually, mm -hmm. uh, when you have players like him coming into the room, uh, you just see the, first of all, I think the respect that they have for, for veterans, older guys, and they, you see that and they earn your respect right away. I think that's, and that comes with the work ethic. And that comes the way you respect your, you know, the veteran guys, the the trainers, like everyone around the team. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how you earn it. And, and he did that right away. Uh, and what they don't know about him, I think it's the, I like to, I like to call that like a quiet confidence. Uh, and, and, and that's the way to lead. And that is something that, uh, uh, I admire on a person or, 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 or a player and he definitely has that. And, uh, I had one of, I've used it, uh, when someone wanted me to describe Valtteri Filppula, he's very much like that. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, uh, a way of leading and they have everyone, everyone's, uh, respect in the room and, uh, you know you can count on them each and every day and just just the true pros a couple fun questions from wild uh, fans then we'll wrap it up miko um most fun wild locker room teammate that you had like any any teammates that were just hilarious to be around in the locker room probably the <clears throat> the funniest and the most annoying at the same time uh miss I, I call him mr minnesota hopefully darby doesn't get uh <laughs> get mad about it but mr alex Stalock. Uh -huh. that's uh likes That's, to talk oh yeah he uh he likes to talk and very proud uh saint paul guy and <laughs> and uh yeah but he was no in all seriousness like just uh obviously funny and uh and but he liked the room every mm -hmm. single day uh but also it's just when he got on the ice <clears throat> the way he would work and and just a unique person yeah great great, great teammate yeah. um one uh team that you uh hated playing against and maybe one opponent that was uh yeah i think that would change uh over the years but if i have to name one like over the years it was uh it was calgary mm -hmm. my first few i like to play against them always it was physical it was fair mm -hmm. it was tough opponent i think to me like i learned a lot from that you know coming <clears throat> uh or later for later in my career but uh, but it was and i think we lost i don't know how many yeah games it was a row, lot of games up there you know in saddle dome and and things like that so that was they had a heavy good team yeah well that was the years and the yes yeah. and uh so at the same time like i really enough it was great 
mm-hmm. and we had some good battles and things like that but that was a tough yeah. tough team to play against yeah. i still one of my favorite memories of you is when your first game back in vancouver after matthias olin broke your leg and you scored in that game you went right by that bench and taunted him I'm like that is that is like you don't want to piss off miko uh do you remember that yeah i do i i think to be honest i think media made a bigger than it is yeah that's what uh, we do yeah i know i know <laughs> trust me but uh but i didn't want to it was nothing against them or yep. like especially not nothing you know i had a lot of respect for a lot of the players that they had said eans and and you know whoever they had at that point but <clears throat> uh but it was just obviously it was frustrating for me mm. to miss those games and and it was a rivalry for us and and it was always a big big game going in to vancouver and and get a chance to get a goal yeah. and just it just i don't know just yep. felt right and did it and can't take it back yep a couple more questions i swear uh favorite arena that you played in besides the x obviously stable center really yeah yeah, just uh, just the just the atmosphere, or what, or just the. I think I think everything about it, especially uh, later on once they got the the, the LA Live and yep. So like just the hotel, walking into the arena, yep. uh, you just felt the energy and <clears throat> and another team that I loved to play against. It was always heavy, uh, fair, and and just good hockey. I just mm-hmm. loved it and. Uh, I just had success there. Yeah, uh, it's it's true. amazing. Like you just know going into the game, and, yep. and it's just you know some arenas you like it, some you don't. And but LA was always like the whole yeah. the whole package. I just loved it. Yeah, I think he scored an overtime winner there once. Uh, you definitely had it in Edmonton. That was I think your last one with the Wild. Yeah, was in Edmonton. Um, is there one player on the Wild that kind of reminds you of yourself on the current team? Yep. On the ice? Yep. Or off the ice. This is just a reader. You can well, I think on the ice, I think Eric Sinek. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, first of all, well, like what a teammate and, and just a great kid. Uh, ever, same thing like Spurgey. Like you just knew right away when he got here, like you know what you're getting. Uh-huh. You just give him time and and do the develop and and get to the level that he can be and uh i think now he's showing that i'm so happy for his contract extension and and we get to keep him here for so many years yep. uh you know what you're gonna get out of him each and every night uh, the way he prepares all that so i think uh and he's a center obviously yeah yeah uh two, two more questions uh, he's one, a sweet though yeah i know i know i'm, a, that, I'm impressed how you've always <laughs> yeah you've always uh treated the swedes well uh-huh. here broads i mean you've you they're have awesome they're great, yeah. great people um, but a, a lot of rivalry when finland played sweden i oh, yeah. remember those oh, yeah. um just a couple more questions uh, somebody has a great question what's it like for you now watching the game from above like uh, do you have a different perspective of it is it yeah is it, yeah yeah it's easier now mm-hmm. uh to be honest, like the first time I was driving in, uh, I think it was either practice or a game, and I would take the same route that I did, you know, when I was still playing, and, and that was hard. It was... I was just talking to Kevin Fiala in the hallway waiting to do this podcast, and he said, I wonder how hard it is for him to walk into the building. You yeah, know? now I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I think the memories are, you know, obviously great, Then, but the first couple of times it was 
it was really hard. And uh, I actually mentioned that to Billy too. I asked him like, how did you, how did you feel? How because I said like I was driving in here today and I had a tough ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just <clears throat> when I come to Excel, like you just you smell it's just yeah. everything about it. Yeah. It's just. Uh, Obviously, you miss it, and there's other days and moments that you miss it more. But uh, but like I said, I definitely enjoy it now. And and uh, but the star was uh, it was tough. Yeah, isn't it weird how every arena has a distinct smell? Like, and and I'm not even saying bad. Like you know, I no, walk this, in. I love the smell. Yeah, there. like, like the, once I go to the Zamboni. Yeah. Tunnel, like past that, coming in or leaving, like yeah. that's where I'm like, yeah. I can, and I remember that can, as a player yeah. too. It was just. You can name any arena in this league. I could kind of give you what the smell is like, or at least envision in my head. It's crazy. I remember my first time walking in Nassau Coliseum as a beat writer. It like brought me back to my childhood. Yeah, I'm like that one probably is not a great <laughs> smell. That one smelled like the circus. Um, yeah. uh, last one from a reader, and then I got one final one for Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, that was actually, I mean, just kind of a really sweet one. But um, but uh, you know, where where do you think this is next? Like, what do you like? What what is going to happen? Like, do you, where are you going to, what your role is going to be with the organization? What's the future Miko Koivu going to be doing? And will it be in the United States? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to find out. Uh, I think I've tried now. I was, like, as we talked before, but coaching the Finnish uh, World Junior team. Uh, been seeing now the management, uh, not much, but but still I get a taste of it, uh, what, what that is all like. And then, but even there's, there's so many different roles, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that you don't realize when you still play the game. And, and, uh, so I think in a way that I, I, I do believe in life that you have to kind of let it come to you too, a little bit that you can't chase it. But I think this is something that you have to, you know, try to find a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it's we'll see uh i i don't have an answer for you right now and i don't even have an answer for myself uh, i think motions kind of go back and forth a little bit like coaching or or things like that and but one thing is for sure like i want to stay in a game but i also want to be around my kids yeah and uh they're so young still and 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 so i, I really want to you know have my time with them and then coach my son's hockey team and then go to my daughter's gymnastics and, and things like that. I think uh, you miss when you play and while they're still young, I think. Yeah. Uh, How uh, old are they now? Uh, three, six and eight. Yeah. What do you think, especially the eight year old and, and the six? I mean, like, do they understand what's going to happen Sunday? I mean, is this going to be? They're the- asking. Yeah. They, they ask about it a little bit and, and things like that. My, my, my son, the six year old who still, or who plays, plays hockey he goes so dad like does that mean that i i can't have number nine when i play for the wild <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> i said well maybe we'll, we'll yeah. make that yeah we can, uh, it's happened before yeah yeah but uh so i think yeah i don't think they really yeah understand but uh they have a sense of it yeah. i've covered fathers and sons i don't think i'll make it to cover your your, uh, <laughs> your son i can almost guarantee that um so last question from from Backstrom, and uh, you know, um, and it really was a good one. Um, and by the way, he says the best line that he ever played with was uh, you, Bruno, and, and Mietnin, which you know, and, and he's not kidding. Um, that was a really good line for for the Wild for a long time, or at least while Mietnin was here. But um, he says, does he enjoy life more now in Minnesota when he doesn't have to carry all the pressure of, uh, for the team's success, or did he enjoy that pressure and challenge? Like, it, you know, 
is there do you miss it or is it or is it like you content now to walk around town not feel the pressure of an entire organization no i i enjoyed it yeah i really did i think uh obviously there's uh there's moments that uh that it gets hard and 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 things like that but i i think one of my my coaches back in finland uh actually he's my off-season coach and, and the workout would be tough and friday would be the uh <clears throat> would be the uh the, the tough workout every like to end of the week and he goes like just enjoy it uh-huh. i'm like what do you mean like, <laughs> and he said that you'll never have that feeling again once you retire yeah that you can get to the level that uh that you can push yourself and and things like that and now i did realize that when he said it and i kept that in my mind but i think the same kind of thing goes with the pressure i think i wanted to enjoy it like and it would challenge me it would just push me it would it would drive me uh to be better uh and then to be better as a team and things like that so uh but i'm okay with it but uh, but there's things that i i do miss and i think that's something that obviously you'll never find it again yeah to the level that you you were as a player but something hopefully i can find something that uh that I can get close to, yeah. uh, and then find that passion, uh, whatever it might be. But I yeah. hope in in hockey. Yeah. Well, you still are in perfect shape. You look like you can go out there right now and play. At least maybe like sign a contract, win the big draw, go to the bench and change. But just <laughs> so they get some big faceoff wins when they need it. That'd be uh, that'd they be huge. Will. It's ups and downs. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, or maybe they just sign you as faceoff coach. You go out there every now and then and work with the centers. That'd be a nice thing. Ah, uh, yeah. That's actually those are things that you 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 like to. Yeah, you know, be but then, uh, like I said, every individual is different, yep. and and you can't. That's a tough thing to teach these pros yeah. anymore. I think it's you can give something that you if if the last, but uh, at the end, it's they all have their own yep. techniques and and things that they they believe in. So you sometimes better to stay away. Yeah. Well, hey, enjoy your big day. Um, it's going to be quite the honor for you, Miko. I mean, uh, you know, uh, for longest contract in franchise history to start before obviously Parisian suitor. You beat, I was talking to Nick Schultz about this yesterday. Um, uh, Nick had the longest. He had a six-year deal. Then you came along and signed the seven-year <laughs> deal. First captain in wild history full-time and first guy to get your name, uh, your number, your jersey atop the XL Injury Center for the rest of time except if your son uh, takes it uh, one day. But, it, I mean, I just can't – I can't wait. I, I, I've watched these things also as a visiting writer. I, I weeped when – at the Lundquist one a couple of weeks ago. I remember welling up at the, uh, the Aginla one. I just can't wait to watch your face and see how you handle it and, you know, your family as well, your kids. I think it's just going to be an amazing, amazing uh, afternoon, late afternoon, early evening here at Excel on your center, Miko. Congratulations. Thank you. And I got to say, now that you're proud, Nick Schultz, uh, just – I think one of the best examples about great people in this yep. game and and uh, uh, long time uh, roommate. roommate on the road and you wouldn't just, even let him move out when he was allowed to. I know that was a little battle, but <laughs> I, then I had to uh, give up on that one. So he got his own room. But uh, like I said, just just a yeah. first class guy and, yep. and uh, what a teammate and a friend. Yeah, I'll tell you just real quick the reason why I talked to him. What an amazing coincidence. So uh, Miko and I are recording this the week before his his day. Well, on Thursday in Philadelphia, Jared Spurgeon is going to break Nick Schultz's record for most games played by a wild defenseman in front of Nick Schultz, their assistant coach, with Mike Yo and John Torchetti on the bench, with Tricky Rick, 
who sewed his nameplate on for the first ever jersey that Jared wore. Uh, I just think it's just, you know, Chuck there, Brent there, Nick Sealer and Jerry Mayhew on the ice. So, I mean, the coincidence of all that. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing this big story, and Nick was, you know, it's going to get to watch his record be broken. Yeah, so. but he's he'll be okay with it. Yeah, he'll I be okay. He'll be with happy it. with it. Then. Yeah. And, uh, but like I said, uh, one of the best. <laughs> one of the best ever yeah sicky just walked in uh, that, i think that's the sign that we have to wrap it up i told miko uh, he's like how long i'm like oh, 25 minutes we went 50 so uh miko really appreciate it thanks a lot miko congratulations thanks for having me and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsn's varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Really, really thank Miko Koiva for joining Straight from the Source today. I hope everybody enjoyed that. It's a side of Miko that you don't see a lot. You know, relaxed, happy, jovial, uh, not getting ready for a big game, not responding to a victory or a loss, uh, something, uh, the latter that I never loved doing with Miko, especially late in his career. Um, it just was uh, never a fun, fun thing. But uh, to sit down with him and hear him talk about his children and cut open a vein about uh, his relationship with Saku as a young guy and how he suddenly became much more um at ease with uh, the comparisons and things like that later in his career, I just think was really cool. I mean, when Miko Koi was talking about the different sense of different arenas, you just know he's in a relaxed uh, state. And I think he's just very appreciative of uh, the way that the Minnesota Wild are treating him right now. And I think that he uh, really is embracing whatever this new role is going to eventually be with this organization. Again, the, uh, the gates open on Sunday at 345. The ceremony starts at 5 o'clock promptly, and then the Nashville Predators and the Minnesota Wild will play at XL Energy Center. Miko Koiva will drop the ceremonial face-off against Jared Spurgeon, what I'm assuming will be Mikhail Granlund uh, taking the draw. That makes all the sense in the world since we know that Mikhail was uh, Miko's protege for a long, long time. Um, there will be a big story that comes out with this podcast, and also um, I will link in there some of the stories that I did before his 1,000th game. They were really, uh, really cool at the time. Um, so uh, again, thanks for Miko for joining, uh, the wild are obviously in a big time schneid right now. Uh, they play the Detroit Red Wings on Thursday in Detroit and then Columbus on Friday, a place that, uh, traditionally has not been very kind to Minnesota, but both teams playing the second of a back-to-back, and we'll see what uh, the Wild give there. Then, again, the Sunday uh, game against the National Predators next week. The Boston Bruins and Chicago Blackhawks will be in town, but hopefully, or not hopefully, we will have a podcast before then. And it should be a fun podcast as well. Um, um, I won't say who, because uh, a lot of the players that are coming in for Miko's celebration, his former teammates, it's a surprise to Miko, as uh, he even said on the podcast. Um, But I'm trying to line up a couple guys um, to sit down for 
um, sort of mini pods to run next week. And uh, one of them I've already lined up, and I'm sure there'll be another couple in the next few days as well. There are podcasts throughout this uh, this uh, network as well at The Athletic. Eric Tolsky, the assistant general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, joins uh, Sean Gentile and Craig Custance this week on The Athletic Hockey Show USA. And John Vogel, our awesome Buffalo Sabres beat writer, he joins Rob Pizzo. Uh, Sarah Sivian and Jesse Granger on the Athletic Hockey Show Roundtable. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a rating and review. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Talk to you next week, everybody. Everybody.